and welcome everyone to this week's episode of Topical Brainstorm. Uh, I'm here with Christian Larson. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, Garrett? I'm doing well. Good to hear. You sound yeah. out, you sound out of breath. Yeah. Um, I had to run to my car real quick to get my headphones, as you know. <laughs> uh, it's probably cold tell outside you, man. too. I am fat and out of shape. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, I'm running a 5K for Thanksgiving. No way. So I am, I'm not in shape either, but me and Kylie decided to run one about a week ago. And we exercised the last two days, so that's a good start. And my legs are very sore. And I think I nice. ran a total of three miles in the two days. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. There you go. Uh, that's something at least, right? That's three more miles in the last two days than I've ran. So <laughs> good on you. That's fair. How How is everything going with, with uh, school, with your classes? Dude, uh, I'm getting wrecked, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> what about you? Uh, pretty good. I I really just have like two classes, really one class that I'm worried about. But I got two papers due on Tuesday, right before Thanksgiving. So uh, this weekend's been a little bit of a drag writing those papers. But uh, once that's done, I will be studying for finals, and I'll be looking forward to wrapping this all up. So. Yeah, um, I just finished my last midterm yesterday, so I'm going to start studying for finals. I mean, the, I'll still have new material that will be on the final as well, but I need to yeah. I'm gonna start recapping everything. Yeah, same. Yeah, try to salvage some decent grades. <laughs> <laughs> Getting close, you know, just a few more weeks. Push through. It's a struggle. I don't know why. I'm just like, I'm not gifted with school. I've <laughs> never been like good at it. No, yeah. and, and I feel like the harder I try, just the worse it gets, which is odd. But that's life, and you got to deal with it. Yeah, you're you're learning. You know, expanding your horizon. Still learning <laughs> stuff, so that is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else happened this week? Uh, NBA free agency happened. Dude. Yeah. My phone keeps blowing up with notifications. Yeah. It's crazy. Did you see Gordon Hayward's going to Charlotte? I did just see that. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. And for a ton of money too. Yeah. Hmm. Hopefully he can, I mean, for his and for Charlotte's sake, get back to playing the way he used to. I, I don't feel like he ever really played that well in Boston. Yeah. Consistently. I, I think he's kind of one of those guys that, that needs the ball in his hand a little bit. And you're just not going to get that in Boston when you have Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker and, and Jalen Brown. Yeah, that's true. Like You're just not going to get very many touches when those guys are on your team, so... Yeah. And it's not that he needs the ball in his hand. It's that, like, I mean, what made him good in Utah was he he was the guy you went to 
when you yeah. need something to happen. You're you're not that guy on that Celtics team. Yeah, so. for sure. But enough about sports. Let us review our book. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're uh, finishing up this section in the book today. Um, we're combining three chapters. Uh, the chapter titles are first an appeal that everybody likes. And the principle that goes along with that one is appeal to the nobler, nobler motives. Uh, let's just focus on that chapter real quick. Uh, what did you think about the first chapter? I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, a little maybe controversial in my mind because I mean the idea of appeal to yeah nobler motives like you said is is good you know you always want to have good motives and nobler motives but some of the stories he told I thought just sounded a lot more like manipulation than than some high and noble cause. Um, that was my my first impression. What did you think of it? Um, eh, I I liked it. It made sense to me. Like, if I liked the story where he was like, I need to stop saying like. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the story where he talked about. Uh, someone had written something bad about somebody in the newspaper and they kept printing it. Uh, or maybe it was a photo. I think it was a photo that they kept publishing. And he wrote the newspaper and instead of saying, I want this to stop, uh, he said, hey, will you stop? My mom doesn't like this photo. <laughs> Which, I mean, everyone understands that. Um, and everyone likes their mom. So he he made it. I mean, it may have been a lie. I don't know. Maybe his uh, maybe his mom really didn't like the photo, but it True. made sense to me to uh, if to appeal to something to get something done that everyone else will appeal to as well. Yeah, and yeah, I think I like that story as well. Thought that was a really good example of of truly a nobler motive, right? Because because it's true. If 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 there's a newspaper publishing a bad picture of you, they're not going to care that you don't like it. You know, like they're aware it's a bad picture, most likely. That's why they're doing it. And yeah, that's why they're doing it for you know publicity or uh, whatever, whatever that's called. Bad publicity. I don't remember. There's a word, but but yeah, like you said, the appeal of my mother doesn't like it. That's a lot harder to ignore because there's there's a lot more respect for motherhood than, than one guy's opinion, you know, who they yeah. obviously are already trying to, to defame. Uh, another good example was the story about Cyrus HK Curtis, I think was his name, how he grew um, this big newspaper business and the way he did it, he got, really famous and influential writers to write articles and he didn't promise to pay them 
but he would say, if you write this article, I'll send a check of $100 to your favorite charity. Which I thought that was another good example of, of this principle. Because um, he, he would have to pay that, that artist or that uh, author maybe $500 or $400 to write a piece for him. But if he says, do it and I'll send $100 to your favorite charity, that's, that's a very noble motive that um, even though if the author thought through it completely, they'd be like, I could just write for some other place, get $400 and donate 100 myself. But it's a lot harder to turn that down when it's, it's, appeal, it's an appeal straight to your, you know, your sense of um, charity and your sense of caring for others. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just so everyone, know, just to like paint a clearer picture for everyone, the principle, if you haven't figured it out, it's like if you want something, usually there's two reasons why someone has, why someone wants something. And there's like a real reason. And then there's like a lot of times people take that real reason and they put a, a noble spin on it. Like one example would be if I wanted to raise at work because I want more money, <laughs> you know, that's, that's my real reason. I want more money. But if I go to my boss and say, Hey, I need more money so I can support my family, which may be true, probably is true. Not in my case. Cause I, you know, <laughs> I'm not married or have any kids or anything. But if you, you can take what you want and find a noble reason for it that people will relate to, and that is way more effective. Uh, you, you mentioned some of the stories you, you didn't like and were uh, manipulative. What, what stood out to you in those stories? That like What made you think that way? I... I think primarily it was the first story he told, which maybe I didn't interpret it in the best way, but a quick summary of that story is he, it was a story of a, a, a landlord who had a tenant who the tenant's lease didn't expire for another four months but the tenant was just like i'm sick of this place i'm moving out you've been a bad landlord and then the landlord came in and talked to the tenant and he was just like if you're a man of your word and i think you are and i'll like i respect people who are men of their words i will he's like i expect you to finish up this i'm not doing the story justice but he, he basically the, the nobler appeal was like, hey, if you're a man of your word, you'll live up to your lease contract and you'll stay here. And if not, then you're, you, you can go on your way and that's, that's fine. Um, and in the end, the tenant decided to stay and to live there the rest of the four months and paid the rent and, and all that. I, you know, I do see, like most of these principles, I do see a really good way to apply it to influence people and do it in, in a respectable, in a, in a respectable way. But I think this one may be, maybe what I was trying to say is just, 
that it would be very easy to to use this principle in kind of a malicious way yeah to get what you want by creating nobler motives that you don't actually don't actually believe in or don't actually care about but you could do that to influence somebody because it sounds like a really good idea yeah that's fair i don't know i'm kind of torn on that story personally because the guy did sign a contract to stay, mm-hmm. um, which is more than just your word. Like that's also like legally binding. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn. But I, I see what you're saying though. It's very, you could use it in a malicious way for sure. It, yeah. It's easy to get what you want. Uh, that's what manipulative people do. They figure out what works and then they keep doing it because it gets them what they want. Um, so don't use this principle negatively. For sure. Yeah. And we don't have all the, have all the details of that story, right? Yeah. We don't know who was in the right. Like maybe the landlord was a terrible guy and we don't have any details about that in, in the book. Yeah. Or maybe the tenant was just a, a jerk and the landlord was doing all that he could and the tenant was still unhappy, which both of those seem very possible. Yeah. Um, but overall I do think, I do think this is a good idea because, and it kind of goes back to a chapter we read earlier about kind of appealing to what the other person wants as opposed to what you want. Yeah. Because if, if you're trying to get if you're trying to influence somebody, get them to do something that you think is good, if you only talk about the benefit you'll receive, they're much less likely to oblige. But if you focus on something that they might want, or another idea in this chapter, something that's just nobler and better and that everyone will agree with is a good cause. Um Again, that's another way to make it harder for someone to deny you or disagree with you um, or do what you don't want them to do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I that was a pretty good chapter. Not my favorite chapter, but pretty good. Uh, do you want to jump into the next one? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Okay, the, the title of this one is the movies do it, TV does it, why don't you do it? And the principle is dramatize your ideas. What are your thoughts? You know, again, I didn't get the best impression out of this chapter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it was, again, I mean, and as as I've said many times, I think this can be used in a really good way. But this is definitely another principle that I think if used insincerely or incorrectly, it it can come off as a, as a cheap trick. Because the main idea is, as you said, it's to dramatize your ideas or to, to make things, to exaggerate in a sense. Um, one quote is, this is the day of dramatization. Merely stating the truth isn't enough. The truth has to be made vivid, interesting, dramatic. You have to use showmanship. The movies do it. Television does it. And you have to do it too if you want attention. (laughs) So I feel like if that was true in the 1920s or 30s or whenever this book was written, 
it's it's much more true now. People push things, you know, to the extreme to get attention. You know, you see it in the political, like national politics um, and the media coverage of that. You see it in like sports commentators. Like they try to make things dramatic or sometimes say outrageous things just to get attention. And a lot of that in the end feels like empty noise. But I do think there is a good place and maybe a, a way I would yeah. rephrase this principle is, is to think outside the box to get necessary and good attention, you know? Cause if you have a really good idea, but you present it in a really boring way, it's not going to be very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about this principle in, as I often do with these principles in the context of work. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, I have this idea. What is a way to bring that that idea to the table in a way that's interesting? Because, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he's right. Sometimes plain facts, though they are true, are not enough to to win people to your cause. Sometimes it's 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 like when you read a book, it's the the beginning chapters, the setting, everything just like that grabs your attention. It's the attention grabbing that you often need for people to consider your point. So, um, yeah, I have a few ideas at work. I'm working on the, uh, how I can bring them to the table in a way that's interesting and, and, um, well, first of all, I got to figure out, do some research on the ideas and make sure they're actually good first. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And see, that's, that's the kind of situation where I think that this principle is, is very powerful and, um, can be used to your benefit greatly. Can you see any situations where, I mean, it wouldn't be? I just think maybe not, but I think it can very easily be taken too far. And I think that's kind of what we see, like I said, in, in a lot of the media of, you know, national politics, sports, et cetera. It's just people saying outrageous things to get attention and like it, it works. You, you get people's attention, but after a while it starts to feel just annoying, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But um, for, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, for example, in, in my job, there's this pretty important guy, and I think I mentioned him before, but he's he's kind of the runner of the, he's the manager of the state fair park. Oh, and yeah. he's involved in a lot of other things too. So he's just a very busy guy. And at my job, I'm, I'm kind of, the liaison between another organization that he is in charge of and the company I work for. And that organization is, it's called the river district business chamber. It's just all these businesses who are trying to make their neighborhood better in this kind of shady part of salt Lake near the state park. Shady. Shady. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Not what I heard. (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> no, just, just it's a it's a uh, poor kind of a poor area, and I said shady, yes, but okay, you know, homelessness and crime is a big problem down there. Regardless, he since he's so busy, he's very hard to get a hold of. And so, like, every week I report to my boss what I've been able to do with that organization. And it was, like, two weeks straight where I was I was just like, yeah, Larry never responded to me, you know. I've sent him yeah. four emails in the last two weeks. I have nothing. And I've tried to call him twice. So we finally got to the point where there was this one project almost done and we just needed his signature. And I was just like, okay, I, I need to do something different, you know. I need to change something up here because it's, it's just not working. So... I like called him, left him a message. I emailed him a copy of this, of this paper, a letter that he needed to sign. And then I drove down to the fair house and dropped one off at his office too. Yeah. Just like all three, basically at the same time, I did all three of those. And then I didn't get a response for a few hours, but by the time I got home, I had an email from him, which he had electronically signed the paper and sent it back to me. Nice. So like, I th- I feel like that was at least in a sense. It wasn't really showmanship, but it was a way of, you know, thinking outside the box, just trying to get his attention. And hopefully it wasn't too annoying. Yeah. But make it clear that that, you know, what I was trying to do was worth his time. Um and it seemed to work, you know. Yeah, for sure. Might I suggest next time dropping something off at his office? buy like a, a nice looking pen and like put a bow on it. There you go. That'd be actually that, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> if I was a businessman and someone did that to me, I would be happy personally. But are you a, are you a pen guy? Do you have a thing for pens? Yeah. So my dad collects pens. Um, I don't, but I appreciate them, you know? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Somehow, whenever I go to the bank, I I pull the thing out um, of the tube that gets sucked in, you know. I pull the pen out. I sign my check. And I always mean to put the pen back in. And somehow, I always end up at home with the pen. And I'm like, well. <laughs> that sounds like you. <laughs> I guess I guess I do subconsciously like pens. Because I literally tell myself every time. Like, put it back in the tube, put it back in the tube. And then I put the stuff in, and I just somehow forget to put the freaking, uh, the thing back in the tube. So, yeah. I'm sure you're not the only one who has that yeah, issue. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I just, you know, I like stealing pens. Yeah. <laughs> my my dad actually has a thing for, I think, quality pens and also mechanical pencils. Oh, really? Like, my dad, my dad always has, like... At least one just very nice mechanical pencil on his desk. Hmm. He actually went to Japan. Him and his mom, him and my mom both did a few years ago, and he brought me back a mechanical pencil as like a souvenir. And I haven't even I haven't used it. I know exactly where it is. I'll save it for a special occasion, I guess. But yeah, that's awesome. It's it's not something I totally understand, but hey. People have dad, their own likes, you know. Our dad <laughs> should get together one day because <laughs> I'm sure they would bond over their love of fancy writing utensils. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, honestly, good principle. I, I enjoyed it. Again, not my favorite chapter, 
but yeah. it made sense to me. You know, sometimes something's not working. Um, you just need a little, you, you need an attention grabber. For sure. One last little nugget from this chapter I liked. Uh, he he tells this story about, I'm just going to read it. It says, this principle works in home life as well. When the old time lover proposed to his sweetheart, did he just use words of love? No, he went down on his knees. That really showed he meant what he said. We don't propose on our knees anymore, but many suitors still set up a romantic atmosphere before they pop the question. Uh, so that was interesting because in my mind, we do propose on our knees still, right? Yeah. So I looked Maybe. it. I looked it up. Yeah. And that used to be very popular, but like before the 1900s, I guess it went out of style. And then there was a commercial where a guy knelt and proposed to a girl. And I don't remember what the commercial was advertising, but it was in like the 1950s or 60s. And then it became popular to kneel once you propose. Really? When you propose again. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting because I had the same thought when I read it. I was like, we still do that, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, maybe that's just a Utah Utah thing. I don't know. But yeah. huh, good to know. Yeah, so that went out and came back into style. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> for the day when I get to do that. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. It will. Yes. Uh We'll talk. We'll we'll talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. You want to take us into the yeah. last chapter? So, this is the last chapter of this section about winning people over to your way of thinking, and the chapter is called "When Nothing Else Works, Try This." This is kind of a last ditch effort, but I really liked this principle. And it's called Throw Down a Challenge. So basically, I said basically again. Gosh, just kidding. I don't say it very often. <laughs> that's, that's me that does <laughs> that's that. <laughs> I probably say it. It just doesn't bother me as much as it says you. But irregardless. Yeah. It's because I say it all the... <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we, we, I don't know how to use the bleep button. So. I, uh, you put okay. it in post. Regardless. I mean, irregardless, <laughs> and basically, this chapter is about throwing down a challenge when you're trying to get someone to do something because people are competitive. You know, people respond to challenges, people want to excel, and people want to beat other people at things. It's a pretty common desire. Uh, yeah. So, this chapter gives some good stories about that. But that's the main principle, you know. If you're trying to get someone to do something and nothing else works, make it a game, make it a challenge, and a lot of times that'll get yeah. people fired up and get people uh, moving. And honestly, I understand this chapter a lot. <laughs> it makes a ton of sense to me because I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want to do something. All of a sudden, someone challenges challenges me to do it and says I can't. I'm like, okay, game on, you piece of crap. <laughs> like, you know, it just makes yeah. sense to me. Go for it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, so just just to be clear, I don't actually think people are pieces of crap. I'm just super competitive. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I I really liked how he how he talked about bringing the challenge into the uh, into the picture because a, a lot of the stories he gave were like. I can only remember one story actually, and it was the it was when Charles Schwab visited this plant uh, or this factory and was like talking to the manager and was like, "Hey, how is it that a manager as good as you can't get these guys to to produce what this factory should be producing?" And he, the the guy said, "You know, I don't really know. I've tried everything. Of course, he'd tried all the wrong things." because it talks about how he'd just yell at him and curse at him yeah. and all this stuff. And that's when Charles uh, asked one of the workers how many they had. I don't know what they were making, but he asked him how many they had made that day. And he said, uh, I think he said mm-hmm. six. So Charles just drew a giant six on the floor. And when the night shift came in, they saw the six asked what it was, they found out. Then they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to do seven. So they did seven and wrote seven, crossed out the six and drew a big seven. And then the next day, uh, it just snowballed, and day shift was just competing against the night shift, uh, which I can also see as something very dangerous. You don't want your company like competing yeah. against each other. But a little healthy competition definitely never hurt anyone, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, I Scar could barking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scar, be quiet. <clears throat> so, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this was, this was my favorite chapter of the last three, needless to say, probably. But I agree. <laughs> I think... Like you said, it it can get dangerous as well as as most things taken too far. You obviously don't want the night crew sabotaging the day crew or anything like that. But but I agree that and that's a great example. You know, they went from six to ten in in one day. That's a huge increase in production. And yeah, funny story to go along with this. I've mentioned a few times uh, how competitive my wife is. And and oh, we've yeah. had some issues playing games and stuff because we get mad at each other. And but uh, <laughs> so we're training for this 5K, and I use the word training loosely because we started yesterday, and the race is in less than a week. But we went to the gym, and we were both running on treadmills next to each other. Well, not right next to each other because social distancing—they've blocked off like two treadmills in between each usable treadmill at this point. So it was, we were too far away to see how far the other person was running or how fast. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I had, I've not been running consistently at all. I've been running like maybe once a month I go get some exercise, but so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to run three miles. And then I ran the first mile at, at 10 minutes uh, it took me 10 minutes to run the first mile, like a warm up, and I was almost dying. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to switch that goal to two. If I can run two miles today without walking, I'll be, I'll be happy. And so I ran the second mile at like 
eight minutes. So I sped up a bit and I was able to finish and I was super tired, right? And my wife, mm-hmm. she ran the first like mile and a half and then she took like a little walking break. But I, I finish at like 18, 19 minutes, right? And then I, I get off the treadmill and I go to do some other stuff at the gym. And <laughs> my wife is there on the treadmill for a long time. And then she she's finally done and she comes and she was like walking, running a little bit, you know. But she comes over to me yeah. and she's just like, you ran that so fast. And I was just like, how far did you run? And she said three miles. And I was like, I only ran two. And she was like, what? <laughs> she's like, I thought you ran three <laughs> miles that fast. And then it turned out the only reason she kept going and did three whole miles was because <laughs> she thought I had already ran three miles. <laughs> that and is I was so like, funny. I was like, there's no way I ran three miles in 18 minutes. Like that was, that was about as fast as I could ever run back in high school. And I'm, I'm not yeah. in, not nearly in that kind of shape. <laughs> So she That's she was kind of funny, upset dude. that she was under the under the impression that I had ran three miles, but you know that yeah. that competition that drive made her run a whole extra mile that she probably wouldn't have run. You know, dude, you shouldn't have told her. <laughs> uh, it, oh, yeah, it was pretty funny, funny man. But you know, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't get myself to run three miles and. And uh, she was able to, so I was I was pretty impressed. It was just funny yeah. that her motivation was false. <laughs> but I do think that yeah. story is a good example of of this principle. You know, when you I have agree, when you have dude. a challenge or and a goal, you're there's motivation there. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, I. That's why I love basketball so much is because it's, it's fun to compete. Um, It's fun to find someone that that's better than you and to figure out how to beat them, you know, like same, same with anything in life though. There's always someone that's better than you. doesn't matter what you're doing or who you are, but that doesn't mean you still can't win. Like there's always a way to win. Mm-hmm. uh hopefully let me be clear hopefully win without <laughs> cheating or you know sabotage which is cheating uh-huh. so no cheating there's always a, a clean way to win find it <laughs> yeah uh, i don't really have anything else left yeah i would just like to say i i really you know whatever your motivation is that drive to, to be better is huge. And I think it's very necessary in, in any, anything that you're trying to get better at any way you're trying to improve yourself. You got to have a drive to drive to get better and competition. It's probably not the best reason to want to get better, but you know, if it gets you out the door and gets you trying things, I think it's I think it's a really good thing. I think so too. Um, competition is also the basis of capitalism, which yeah. I'm a fan of. You sure are. <laughs> yeah, it just a lot of good things happen when you have friendly competition. Uh, the problem is sometimes it's not friendly. Uh, so just yeah, be friendly with others, compete, do your best. 
Um, yeah, I, I think you can go a long way when you're just trying to, uh, compete. And so a lot of times that's competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, just gradually becoming better every day at whatever it is you're doing. What drives me crazy is people are so obsessed with being the best that they oftentimes don't try anything new. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of life is that, man? Like you got to branch out, do something different. Think differently, man. <laughs> <laughs> do things differently. Do things wasn't that, differently. Wasn't that your motto for a while? Yeah, it still kind of is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why not? Try things, do things differently, have fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that principle. I mean, I, I think going off what you just said, doing things differently, there's always kind of a fear when you're you know, if you ever want to get good at something, that implies that you're currently bad at it, right? Or you're currently yeah. not as good as you want to be. And to get better at it, you have to practice. Which, in that practice, you're going to fail a few times. Maybe a lot of times. But I think a part of a part of that is is being willing to look like a fool, you know? Yeah. Being willing to to look like a dummy because that's the only way you get better at things. And if you're never willing to look incompetent or to make a mistake, you're never going to gain any more potential. You're never going to get better at anything, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think there, I think there are so many benefits to getting out of your comfort zone and, and just trying new things or learning new things or pushing yourself. But it's not always an easy thing to do, but if you look at the big picture, it's, it's the only smart thing to do really. Um, I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, this has been a, a fun talk, fun chat, good chapters. Do you have anything left to add? Uh, I do think I, I threw down a challenge last episode it's been a little while, but we better follow up on that. All right, let's follow up on it. The chapters we were covering were the ones about trying to see things from other people's point of view and trying to be sympathetic toward other people's ideas and viewpoints. And I think the challenge was, although that's a hard thing to force, the challenge was just try to you know, challenge one of your beliefs or one of your ideas. Um, or when you meet someone, just try to understand their point of view better. Someone that you don't agree with on something, something, something like that. Did that make sense? I'm rambling, Yeah. but, uh, were you able to do that at all or have any thoughts on that? Um, you know, I didn't meet anyone with a differing, well, I, a major differing opinion than me recently. Uh, and that's not usually what I lead with when I, when I meet people, <laughs> I'm not like, Hey, tell me all your ideas uh, and what you think about politics and stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. that would be a bad idea. Uh, so I didn't like meet anyone or, or talk to anyone with like a major, 
differing belief than myself, but I, I have been thinking a lot, um, as I'm sure most of America has been just about the differing political spectrum, Mm -hmm. I guess, and the, uh, the two sides of it. I've been thinking about a, a lot about what side I'm on and I've been definitely trying really hard to understand points of view from the other side. And we talked about that a lot last episode as well, but I think I'm doing even better with that these last few weeks, which has been uh, really helpful and really uplifting. Nice. What, what do you mean by doing better? Uh, I think I've, I've put more thought into it. Um, and I've come at it from an angle where I, I try to keep what I believe totally out of it. And I just kind of, I I look at the other side's point of view and only that point of view. And then after, because usually in the back of my head, when I, when I learn about what other people um, think and believe, I have my own personal belief and bias in the back of my head. Uh-huh. And, and I kind of rebut their side as I'm learning. Yeah. But this time I learned it all. And then I, um, and then I brought the two sides together. So like an example was, um, I read a bunch of stuff about like BLM and stuff like that. So I, I read it and then I brought the sides together instead of reading it with my point of view in, in mind already. And that helped a lot with understanding. I can't say I agree with, um, with the other side completely, but I definitely understand where they're coming from, which is, you know, the start. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a really good start, right? Cause you're not, you're not going to agree with everybody, but hardly you, anybody. It feels like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you do things differently. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's good though. I, I like that story and I, I agree with you about, I liked what you said about just trying to understand the differing point of view without comparing it to your point of view at first. Yeah. Cause I think that's, that's such an easy trap to fall into. With that being said, we have lost the last four minutes of our audio somewhere in the download. So that is the end of this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. This has been Topical Brainstorm with Garrett and Christian.